Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to the Gospel Rant Podcast. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard with Gospel App Ministries. We're so pleased you're here tracking us. We are in the Sermon on the Mount looking at Jesus's provocative, relevant teaching on lust and lusting. So buckle up, heads up. Uh, we're going to talk about the gospel tool in this podcast that can actually help at the end. I mean, I, I think you'll see and please pass it on uh, to, to people that you know. Uh, it seemed like in the last podcast where we began to look at lust, we it appeared Jesus was making it even harder to please God and to earn his favor. Uh, he just says, don't lust after others. I mean, really? <laughs> what what muscle group is, is that? And of course, we're talking also about pornography. Both in, in our midbrains are highly addictive. We'll talk more about that. So is that what Jesus meant? Is just you need to gird your loins and, and squeeze hard and, and not... Do those things? Well, yeah, and no. We looked at the first part in the last podcast, a couple of podcasts ago. But we're, aren't we beginning to see that he's using Jewish rhetoric? I mean, that's the, the line that we're tracking here, and he's making a bigger point. He's, it's not just about a new law and lust. I mean, the Old Testament kind of covered that. So, And I'm going to try to convince you, and I also teased at the end of that podcast that I'm going to give you the story of someone who was wildly addicted to porn, who uh, used this tool, the simple uncluttered gospel, and found obvious change. Not perfect, that's heaven, okay? So listen, tell people, family, friends, uh, people in your church who struggle with lust and pornography, um, this could help them a lot. All right, first, a couple of business items, then we're going to get to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Gospel Apps New Engage Small Group Bible Study is published. It's out. We highlighted it in the last podcast. I just want to do the trailer again, not the entire first module. Uh, hopefully you found that interesting. Let me know, Bill at gospel-app.com. And listen, prayerfully consider it for your small group in the fall if you haven't already picked something. If you're not in a small group, start one. This would be a great launching pad. I mean, uh, gather the, together people who just aren't used to small groups or who, who have fled churches or who are about to. This would be a great place to get dialogue going. It's engaged format, so it's shame-free. You'll see what we mean. There's rules of engagement I think you'll enjoy. You can get the workbooks which have all the video links, all the leader tips and instructions, the engaged questions, all that you need. You can get it on Amazon or a website, gospel-app.com forward slash engage. So after the trailer, we're going to go directly to a word from our sponsor. See you on the other side. On that hillside in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was not speaking to the so-called righteous Christian, but to religious and societal rejects, the lonely, the isolated, the despised, the cut off. They did not have a voice. They did not have remedy. They didn't need new principles to live by. They needed a rescue, a heavenly benefactor. None of them expected God to care about them. Organized religion only shamed them more. Maybe you can relate. If you wanted one place in the Bible to experience heavenly social justice for beat up, marginalized, frustrated men and women, all colors, sexes, and sexualities, and histories of injustice of any kind, look no further than the very radical Beatitudes. Don't miss this. 
Nothing is more important or relevant today. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, a reminder, here's what Jesus says about lusting. Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I said last time that lusting is natural to our fallen brain. It's destructive. Don't get me wrong. We shouldn't do it. See, I'm not I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying it's very human. Uh, it's not all your fault, I think is a safe statement. But it's certainly not loving others. It's breaking the two great commandments, loving others and loving God. And But undealt with, this is where our broken brains tend to go, and it tends to ramp up. It tends to get worse. It's addictive. And, and from a neuroscientific perspective, Jesus, who created our brains, I think he would concur, um, but he sees even more damage societally, relationally. It's dehumanizing. It's objectifying people in the image of God. It's a huge sin. Um, not just does it dehumanize others, but it dehumanizes the one who does it. It's anti-mercy, speaking of the Beatitudes, anti-peacemaking, anti-loving. And so Jesus came to set the enslaved free from such things, meaning we're trapped in it, and Jesus is giving us access to a new power. And that's what true, whether it's a serial lusting uh, or serial porn, they're both self-destructive. And again, humanly speaking, it's so easy to get trapped in it and your brain takes over. It's addictive. When Jesus was around, there was no internet porn, but don't, don't miss this. There's pornography. Men and women were wired the same as they are now. Um, you can Check out pictures from archaeological digs at Ephesus. I mean, it's amazing. By the way, if you haven't been and you can, please do. One building in Ephesus was clearly a brothel. And you can see the body artwork on one wall that um, it, it almost was like a McDonald's, right? Visitors who didn't speak the language could point to a picture and say, I would like one of those with French fries. And we haven't evolved as much as you would like to think as a, as a people. So back to the Sermon on the Mount. Though Jesus is likely not speaking directly about porn, it's included, right? Being a voyeur or watching porn are very similar neuroscientifically. All right, so let's look at porn, so to speak. 
<laughs> Boy, don't quote me out of context there. Uh, let me tell you, and, and by the way, after that, I'm going to tell you a story about a man who used this tool we're talking about to begin to experience some freedom. Okay. This is from a uh, internet site regarding this. Uh, here's what they say. So quote, viewing pornography tricks your brain. There is an area in your brain known as the reward center that helps form habits. It releases chemicals, including dopamine, which establish connections between actions and the perceived desirability of that action. Dopamine is known as a pleasure chemical. It creates a link between certain habits and a reward. Activities like exercise, eating, and sex all trigger reactions in this part of the brain. With pornography, however, the brain responds differently than it does with run-of-the-mill stimulation like sugary snacks or a simple game. For most daily behaviors, the brain has an off switch that stops the release of dopamine once a craving has been satisfied. In contrast, pornography impacts the brain much like an addictive drug by triggering ever-increasing amounts of dopamine. Over time, the brain builds up a tolerance to the excess dopamine and requires either more access or more extreme content, or sometimes both, to achieve that same level of perceived pleasure. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm, this is me now. Did you hear that? What happens once the pleasure center gets involved is that it always demands more. So a young man starts with lusting or a young woman starts with lusting and the pleasure center says, hmm, like that, do more. And eventually the prefrontal cortex is largely taken out of the picture and it's just the brain running the show, the midbrain running the show. And then your brain builds up a tolerance to the excess dopamine and it doesn't feel as good. So you demand more and, and bigger and crazier and more destructive, right? So, so Jesus knows this. He's created the brain. You just, you just don't do lust once and turn it off. Um, okay, back to the quote. Research from a neuroscience of internet pornography addiction report indicates that extended exposure to pornography correlates with less activity in the brain's reward circuit. In short, when viewing pornography, your brain gets less pleasure while wanting more, often causing desensitization and an escalation in behavior. Viewing pornography rewires your brain. When your brain reward center triggers that release of dopamine and related chemicals, it also releases a protein that serves as a reinforcer. In effect, it creates neural pathways to connect what someone is doing to how they feel. In this case, strongly connecting pleasure to the act of watching pornography. And by the way, this would include lusting. This connection, the article says, in turn results in greater demand for the activity, making it more and more likely that one returns to porn, according to the Neuroscience of Internet Pornography Addiction Report. If enough of this reinforcing protein is built up, it can cause, hear this, lasting changes to your brain that leaves you even more vulnerable to addiction. By the way, that's, that's just it. <laughs> it's just it. We need a power to fight a power. Quote, when neural pathways connect your brain's reward center with something harmful, it can overwhelm previously held beliefs about what is unethical or inappropriate and make you think those things are normal. One study found that people exposed to significant amounts of porn thought that things like violent sex were twice as common as those not exposed to porn thought. Viewing pornography influences your relationships. 
Watching violent and or non-consensual porn has toxic effects that can cause lasting damage to teens' ability to have healthy relationships. For example, studies indicate that viewing hardcore porn can change attitudes about women. Men who watch porn regularly are more likely to objectify women and have hardened misogynistic attitudes. Because porn is the source for some teens' Of information about sex, these dynamics can create especially warped ideas. Sexual aggressiveness is a major message presented in modern pornography, and one review of popular porn videos found that in 9 out of 10, a woman was beaten, yelled at, or otherwise harmed. Viewing pornography at a young age can be damaging. Risk of becoming addicted to pornography is higher for teenagers, as reward centers in their brain respond two to four times more strongly than those of adult brains. According to Psychology Today, teenagers who are exposed to sexual content are more likely to have sex at a younger age, and early exposure to pornography is a risk factor for sex addictions and other intimacy disorders. So look, Jesus, the creator of our brain, knows that, you know, it starts off with lusting. The brain grabs hold of that, starts this cycle, which can become addictive, which leads to misogynistic tendencies for young boys, which leads to abuse, which leads to objectification, everything other than the two great commandments, right? So if we're going to achieve what the Sermon on the Mount is trying to achieve, the Beatitudes, mercy, peacemaking, uh, righteousness, hunger and thirsting for righteousness, which is the well-being of others, this is against that, right? This is antithetical to that. But how do you stop it? Because it's very, very, very powerful. I think we miss that. If we just tell people to stop it, it's just, this, again, it's midbrain. It's it's largely subconscious. Are you with me? So what can we do? Well, there's power that we can access, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, in order to begin to love other people. And if we're loving other people with God's love, this happens less. That's all I'm saying. It's very powerful. All right. So there it is. I hope this is making sense. And if you didn't know this, you're probably not surprised. Me, personally, I got exposed to pornography from my grandfather's hidden stash of Playboy under his bed. I was 10 or 11, um, damaging, believe me, for a young, shame-prone boy like myself. The gospel, uh, when I became a, a believer, a Christian, at the age of 21, man, one of the first areas that it, it really began to work. A lot of toxicity in my brain and bad habits. And it, a lot of it happened immediately, but not totally. Uh, and certainly the battle kept continued largely for a decade. And it's a battle against entrenched, powerful habits and brain chemicals. So much needed to be exposed and rewired in my brain. And Jesus did it and still doing it. I, I, I will say I didn't have the power to stop it. That was a lot of teaching that I got as a young Christian. And I tried and got even shame, more shame because I didn't have the muscle group and, and neither do you. And when I failed, more shame. And uh, here's what my brain does. When I had shame, my brain looks around for a dopamine hit. Well, where did it go before? You see the cycle. Okay? Well, this is what Jesus came to do and began to do on that hillside. And by the way, on my hillside and your hillside still today. So I teased we're going to give you a tool. So we're not just going to leave you hanging. We're going to give you a tool that's very effective, male and female, shame-free, um, we'll get to it after this word from our sponsor. Sorry about the tease. 
All right, welcome back. Uh, we're looking at Jesus's teaching on lust on that hillside in Galilee, about 30 AD or so. These poor people, look, you know, why would they push it? Why would they give it up? They're already rejected. And and listen, they've dug themselves into that dark, lonely, shamed, riddled hole, and all they have is a shovel, and not all their fault. By the way, many of them were thrown into these holes where they were uh, divorced or sexually abused, just like today, or they were born into these holes. But telling them to just get out of their hole, get their life together, or stop digging, just isn't going to work for the tokoi tonumati, the poor in spirit. Guilting them, shaming them, man, it just makes it worse. So is that what Jesus is doing here? You know, well, the Old Testament said this, but man, you're just, I'm ramping this baby up. You're, you're worse than you thought. You thought you were a failure before, but I say you're an even bigger failure than you thought, than you've been told. Come on, no, of course, that would, Jesus is not doing that. Were there people who struggled with lust and, and uh, uh, porn, you know, first century porn on the hillside? I have no doubt at all. Of course. Did Jesus tell some of them that the heavens were theirs? Those who struggle with lust? Yeah. Did he say only if you fix this ugly problem, then heaven's yours? No. He poured his spirit, think of Isaiah 9, out on lusters, leerers, voyeurs, and so began to give them access to God's source power which has the power to diminish the power of their addiction a little or a lot over time. He came as a rescuer. You with me? The principles were already there. He came as a rescuer from, from their own brains. So let me put it a different way. The great crowd that followed Jesus still lusted and he didn't um, make it right. I mean, he didn't fix it. He didn't heal that, but he made it beatable. He gave him access to power. So Jesus didn't come as a new lawgiver, but as a rescuer. I mean, it, the law was already there. He just restated it. it. It is worse than we thought. The real law is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We should, but we don't. And to love our neighbors the same way we should, we don't. And so Jesus came to fulfill every bit of that law. He did it perfectly. But he's going to these poor people and lifting them up. He's becoming their benefactor and, and pouring his spirit out on them, not to shame them. He's giving them access to new power. Does this make sense? And this power, God's power, is even more powerful than their anger and lust. So I've tried to encapsulate the gospel of Jesus for addicts, and that's all of us, in that in this thing we call the simple and cluttered gospel. And I'm going to say it to you. Uh, you can get the, it in bookmark form from our website. Uh, get a bunch of them, by the way. Hand them out to friends and relatives. Put them in your uh, church's welcome basket. Um, Put them on tables as people walk into your church. Uh, by the way, put it, put it on the wall of your church. We get so many great comments from people, you know, regular folks who, who say this aloud twice a day. But, and we say that. It's funny. Uh, tw- you know, do this twice a day for 40 days. We're trying to build a competing habit, right? We're giving the gospel to our midbrains. And it, it works for such things, very helpful for such things as, as lust, pornography, anger, drugs, alcohol, and so forth. Um, Okay, so first, let me tell you about a young man, 21 years old, came to visit his pastor, wildly addicted to porn, couldn't hold down a job or relationship. I mean, he was riddled, his pastor says, with so much shame, couldn't even look at him. Came to the church office 
And the pastor sat him down and asked him to tell his story. And the pastor was shocked after a couple of minutes to, to hear this poor young man. Couldn't hold down a job because if the, if the place had a computer, which they all do, uh, he, he eventually got on it. Uh, he couldn't hold down a relationship. And the kid just had really very little hope, depressed. Uh, wouldn't surprise the pastor if uh, the kid was uh, suicidal as well. So the pastor, first of all, assured him that heaven is going to be filled with redeemed porn addicts. And, you know, that's that was a bumper sticker. It didn't mean a lot to the to the young man at first. Um, so the, the pastor said, I think I can help. Something to that effect. I think I can help. Uh, you're an addict, so you can do this. Here's what I want you to do. He handed him the uh, an early version of the Simple and Cluttered Gospel and said, I want you to say this aloud. That's important. Out loud. Twice a day for 10 days. Okay. And we'll see, and uh, we'll, we'll meet again in 10 days. And, and the young man said, okay, what else? And he goes, that's it. We'll see you in 10 days. And the, and the, the, the man started cursing and, and uh, telling the pastor he wasn't worth his salt and what a waste of time, blah, 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 blah. And the pastor just said, that, you know, just see you in, in 10 days and wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't come, but he did. After 10 days, the young man came still looking down at the ground, still slumped over, still a pitcher of shame. And the pastor said, so tell me about your week. How'd it go? And the young man started cursing again and didn't help. Stupid, ridiculous. Why would saying something like this make any difference? Blah, 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 blah. F and this, F and that. And uh, then he, the young man said, except for Wednesday. <laughs> and the pastor went, Wednesday? What, what happened on Wednesday? He goes, well, uh, I, I didn't do porn on Wednesday. And the pastor went, the whole day? He didn't do, nope, I didn't do porn. Um and, and the young man, I think maybe, according to the pastor, was ready to get it and said, is that what you guys do here? And the pastor, of course, chuckled. Um, pastor said smartly, look, uh, I, I know what we can do here for the next 10 days. Say this prayer aloud twice a day and we'll see you in 10 days. It was a very, very short counseling visit. And the young man, uh, of course, didn't think that was a great idea either. 10 days later, came back with amazing results, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Well, the pastor tells me that the, the young man um, started seeing improvements. He is now, uh, he was actually uh, became employed by the church uh, part-time and now has a full-time job and uh, is now actually married. Huge victory, right? That's the problem with testimonies is, is, you know, you always repeat the ones that were so effective. But let me tell you, I have no doubt, and the pastor has no doubt, that the young man still struggles with pornography. It's so powerful, particularly when he gets entrenched. What the simple and cluttered gospel did was speak the power of the gospel to the young man's midbrain. Uh, so we're now competing power against power, and the gospel is more powerful. That's the idea. All right. Uh, the Simple and Cluttered Gospel. Let me just say it. I want you to listen to it. It's just words, but it reflects the power of the gospel. So here it is. Jesus follower. Strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. And by the way, this would include you, uh, the pornographer. God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. He can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. And now I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up and or need to do something so that God would like you more. Not so. 
How do you experience it more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the Spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. There it is. It's kind of simple, right? Um, Again, we're trying to reach that unreached people group, our midbrain. It covers much of the same ground as a sermon on the on the mount, not surprisingly, but it's primarily for Jesus followers who are already clients of patron benefactor Jesus, who are already loved by him as much as anyone has ever loved them, but they've just stopped hearing the music, right? And and they're in that in that difficult cycle: watch porn, feel shame, need to be self medicated, watch porn. Or you lust, you feel shame, you need to be self-medicated, so you lust again. Watch, wash, rinse, and repeat. So Jesus says, when you lust after another, desiring to use them, objectify them, know that your brain is doing what it wants to do. You can try to stop it, but how's that gone for you? Instead, access power. God's power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being that gives you access to an experience of my love for you and for the person you are dehumanizing. Ask Ask again, keep asking, until you start feeling honor towards the person you're gazing at, you're leering at, you're lusting after. You seem to want their glory and worth more. You respect them more, and that's going to change the relationship and the interaction. You know what that feels like because you're finally feeling it here on that hillside from me, and that's my plan for my kingdom people rescued from their broken midbrains who are now shockingly seeming to love each other a little or a lot. People will know that you're clients because of that love. Mm. Well, what do you think, podcast listener, bill at gospel-app.com? Does this beginning to make sense, to resonate a little? And if so, help us get the word out uh, about this, about the podcast, our website, gospel-app.com. It's immersed in Jesus Said What, the the new Bible study. It's world-changing stuff. It's church-changing stuff. And, you know, at Gospel App, we're trying to be as shame-free as as possible. Have you heard me say anything that's going to shame anybody? I hope not. If so, bill at gospel-app.com. Let me know. We offer the simple and cluttered gospel to any and all. So pass the word uh, pass the simple, uncluttered gospel to one other Christian today, would would you please? And thanks ahead of time. By the way, we have a new series coming for Christian parents, Good Enough Parents. We're, we've been talking about young men and young women in this adolescent period, and so we're focusing on that with this new program, Good Enough Parent. It's only weeks from, from launching. If you want to know more about it, let me know. Bill at gospel-app.com will let you know when it hits the streets. We send participants one 10 to 15 minute tip every day for 15 days. And this is really for parents of teens and tweens. And uh, look, get this. We think it's, this is so critical right now. Parenting is so confusing and frustrating. We're offering good enough parents free, no charge to anyone. And we think we've priced it about right. So help us get the word out about that. I'm speaking to youth directors at churches and ministry, family ministers at churches, speaking to counselors and social workers. Want to get this thing out there. It's it's just gospel, neuroscience, attachment theory. Uh, We did a beta test with great results. So let me know if you want to know when it's launched. Bill at gospel-app.com. 
Lastly, I want to thank the team at Life Audio for their participation with us on this podcast. You can go to lifeaudio.com for other faith-centered podcasts. Well, we'll see you next time on The Gospel Rant. We're going to begin to uh, look at Jesus's thoughts on divorce. Very, very interesting. All right, take heart, child of God. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.